sometimes you just happen to find someone in your closet that you really love. So you make them talk to you. Today, we have Rachel Miner on the Wayward Podcast. It's doing the thing. Say something over there. Hi. Hi, Rachel Miner. We were literally mid-conversation, mm-hmm. and then it was, Brianna's like, we should be recording this. Yeah. So for those of you who are not in my closet and just tuning into this podcast uh, that just welcome. started, it's been going for quite a while. That is like my podcast version of save it for the stage is we should be recording this. But uh, here's, but let me just say, this is why I'm addicted to... You too. <laughs> is that I live for and love that kind of inappropriate, appropriate conversation where yeah. you could just be like totally honest mm-hmm. and looking at things that maybe other people might trigger on or get uncomfortable with or you know what so so like in polite society yeah. you cannot talk about their taboo subject i i don't believe in that i'm very much I also you to, can read yeah. the room and you're good at this as i go i will ask a question knowing that that person might not want to answer it and i try to follow up with you don't have to talk about this yes, if you don't want to. That's exactly right but I, I don't want to force it on yeah, anyone. No. But it, but i i'm addicted to the fact that you both value that too, so I can go into those conversations. So, yeah, so speaking yeah. of, this conversation started. Well, we'll we'll just start with the inappropriate part. You each have very different experiences of what you think eating in public is. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, Rachel, will you please recap for our visitors who may not have been in my closet what yours is? So what I was saying was, if I'm really honest, like what eating in public feels like is taking a poo in front of everyone. Like, it's just, it's something that feels intensely private. So I don't actually, like, get enjoyment from shared eating experiences the way that many people do. And my experience is that food is one of the world's many loves and passions and that we as humans are very lucky to be able to experience such sensations in our body just as we do joy and sex. Um, I think food is up there with those things and it is to be respected in the same way. There is so um, and we were getting into it and we'll get into this soon of how we developed such relationships with food. a playwright and director named Stuart Lemoyne that I worked with for many years is a very brilliant, well-read, um, well-written man. Um, he's quite a famous playwright in Canada. And he introduced me to an older film called, uh, I think it's called Babette's Feast. Oh, yeah. yeah. And the whole movie is her creating this immaculate feast for I don't even remember what the movie was about actually about but she creates the whole movie throughout the movie cooks this feast and you watch these people very specifically eat that you watch them suck on the quail's head after they eat you know you they do things that you do in many cultures and many um different um ceremonies of of eating um you have courses of meals you have pa- wine pairings that go with each course you have breaks in between each course which you have an amuse bouche I was going to say I was going to say and, I and feel the, the word amuse bouche coming and on also, yeah. so that segues into I thought of a really inappropriate analogy but it actually articulates to me Give it. so well because I was thinking I love 
cooking for people. Yes. I love going to restaurants. People love, I love seeing people enjoy food mm-hmm. because I do live vicariously. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking it's kind of similar to like maybe giving a blowjob. I was just going to say that. <laughs> okay. I was like, it is like pleasing your boyfriend and going, I'm okay. I don't need to finish. No, no, no. Right. But also finish, like, I mean, fucker. I genuinely love giving blowjobs, but it's because I love the pleasure that the other person is, mm. is receiving. Like I, I actually, I feel it. Mm-hmm. In my like you know because of that empathing so but so again so yeah. I did soap operas at the same time yeah. as you did soap operas yeah. I was significantly older <laughs> and in Brooklyn yeah. but uh, but um, I wasn't giving blowjobs at the time. I, I'm not gonna. I can't, I'm not gonna. I can't. I can't. I'm. I'm pleading the fifth on that one. Uh, but um, there was one of the makeup artists that would always eat lunch with me, and I was not. I mean, I was nobody. I wasn't very cool. And I, one day I, I asked him. I'm like, why? Why are we eating together? What's going on here? And he said, I can't. I can't eat around a lot of the other women. I said, why? He goes, listen. Now this is as as a gay man. This was his observation. And it still caused him to only eat lunch with me. He said, there are only two things a human does that require all five senses, eating and having sex. And women who have eating conditions, all I can do is watch them and picture how lousy their sex life must be. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, so I just, you're you're probably the only good lay in this studio sometimes, Cam. And I'm like, that's funny because it's not, it wasn't true. Wait, but does that then, mean I have a really but, lousy sex life? No, that's not, wait, but you aren't saying you yeah. don't derive pleasure from it. Yeah. You're saying you have found your own authentic, well, and, and unique it's, way it's to actually, derive. And it's, 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 we'll keep the analogy up. I love pleasuring myself. Right. No, I love being on my, like, I, I can't enjoy food. But it's a alone experience and it involves all of those all of those sensations. And I think one of the issues too, beyond some of the problems that we were talking about, mm-hmm. um, is just very practically, because I am so attuned to what other people are feeling, I cannot have attention on what I'm eating while I'm with someone else because a hundred percent of my attention is with them. Oh. So it's it's a non it's a non experience. I don't, I'm not tasting, I'm not perceiving, I'm not enjoying huh. food. That's, that's interesting. My daughter has uh, something, has been diagnosed with something called sensory processing disorder. And she has, in her own way, explained, she can only eat when her attention is distracted. Okay. Because otherwise the senses are so distracting, she cannot continue to eat. Like the flavor oh, wow. and the sense of the food. It's so and intense. The, it's so in it's either too intense or not intense enough. I'm not completely clear and it's not okay. really I can't I only bring this up in similarity yeah, yeah. uh not necessarily to talk about my daughter's experience but just to say that the senses involved in eating are not just taste. Right. And when no. and when your yeah. senses are distracted by something else, I, that makes total sense to me. Yeah, that's well, a lot of the word sense. And I'll edit that let you all say, out. No, but no, also no. also this. Then again, this is why these conversations are so crucial to me. Is that. I don't know why, as humans, we tend to assume like everyone just perceives and experiences things the way we do. 
it's not the case. We're all getting different signals Truly. and different, having different that's experiences. That's a very good so, point. So that's why it's so important to have these kind of honest evaluations where it's like, well, for me, this is what I'm feeling and tasting and, and whatever. And not and then the, that's where the social lies become so painful. It actually makes people really uncomfortable when I go out to dinner and don't enjoy the same yes. things they're enjoying. Yes. enjoying. It's I've really well, I think we've all been out yeah. to dinner with people who clearly yeah. are not having a good time yeah. eating their meal for whatever reason right. that they're not eating. It does it makes me uncomfortable because I'm suddenly like conscious of their experience. And you want to fix it. You want to fix it. That's interesting. That yeah. so the importance of a conversation like this. Um, because I would then make assumptions based on my own experience, which is you're unhappy. Yes. Right. And your unhappiness either is about this environment and this experience, in which case it's my job to do something to change it, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, or you have a deep-rooted unhappiness, mm. which is what we were talking about earlier yes. in terms of the foundations of my relationship with, with food, food, in which case uh, yeah. now I'm worried about your safety. I'm worried right. about your experience in this world. But, but that's where I do try to put people at ease in that. One, I really enjoy food on my own. Mm -hmm. Very specific types of food, and it's a very specific sensory experience for me. Mm -hmm. But it just does not involve other people. Um, so there's that. So it's like I'm not unhealthy. Okay. I, yeah. I get nutrition. I eat. I'm actually, you know, and I'm very, I'm very good about that. Um, so I think that's one thing to put people easy. Yes. The other is I really enjoy going out with friends. Yeah. I really enjoy the company, the ambiance, the whatever, like all of it. Like to me, there's so much sensory um, input happening that is very highly enjoyable. It's just not food. And that's a good thing for our listeners to remember is that f- even for me, like going out with somebody or me going out with friends and choosing not to eat if they're going to, if I'm, you know, trying to cut back on, you know, sugar and salt and everybody's enjoying pizza or something, um, it makes me uncomfortable. Right. And that is not everybody's experience. Yes. It's, to continue, one of the things I was the most surprised about with one of our podcasts was the amount of people who identified with being asexual. And not even the amount, how grateful they were to have it acknowledged yes. as a viable it's, experience. It's, a, it's actually a huge group because mm-hmm. I get to hear from a lot of people who have that experience as well because I'll be open about, like, the being demisexual or whatever, where it's like sometimes I just don't feel it at all, and I don't want to pretend. So all yeah. of these sensory experiences yeah. have what we consider atypical uh, people who are having an atypical relationship with a sensory experience, right. when in fact I think maybe expanding our idea of what typical is. Absolutely. If you're enjoying your dinner out— why am I mad that it's not because of the same reasons I'm enjoying? Well, and again, it's around. like it's how how um, indoctrinated we are into having to keep up social norms, and uh, it makes people very uncomfortable to break with those social norms. But that doesn't necessarily mean that is what makes them happy. In other words, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but I've had the experience a lot of times at a party, say, or something where like. Everyone is passing around a joint or whatever. If I just say no, I don't, I, I don't feel like smoking. 
half the room will say, no, me neither. But no, none of them were willing to say it before they had yeah. someone else who was willing to stand out and yeah. say, like, no, that's not for me right now or whatever. Yeah. We're, uh, there's like an intense fear that a lot of people that obviously I don't have yeah. uh, with breaking with that norm. I think you're right. I think that about food and I think of that about alcohol. Like I've certainly And sex. If I've been on like a a cleanse or something and a girlfriend's like, let's go out for a drink and I'm like, Well, I, you know, I'm not drinking right now for whatever reason. It does go, ah, oh, ah, oh, you know, that's cool, that's cool. Like, there's a weird thing when... Really? That's funny. I have not, and maybe it's because I just don't go out much, but, like, within the convention circuit, Mm -hmm. I drank when I first started the conventions, Mm -hmm. and I don't drink anymore. And maybe it's a testament to how badly I needed to quit drinking, but I don't have anybody going, oh, really? You sure you don't want a beer? Wow. Okay, we'll be over here then having fun, but we're all slightly uncomfortable because you're not having... Generally, it's kind of like, cool, you do you. That's that's also, I think, a testament to the fact that we're around a lot of really good people. Because I have seen the opposite. I mean, I've had friends with um, bad addiction issues. I've lost friends with bad addiction issues. And part of the problem was that their environment, like the people in their environments were not able to let them stop. Yeah. Like there 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 was definitely a constant like no you're you're going to keep joining us or do you think you're better than us kind of attitude Oof. um when someone tried to break away. Mm-hmm. So I feel very protective. Like it's funny cuz I feel that protective bubble with you mm-hmm. that I don't need to have because there's no one around that's like that but the instant that someone wants to stop something or wants to change a behavior yeah. and others are not letting them. I turn into that, like, war mama bear. Just like, do not touch them. Because um, in our first podcast, before we were actually recording, you have experienced other people legitimately thinking they have the right to your body. Right. And not in a sexual way, in a legitimate professional way. So, So do you think your experience has colored how you see other people? In terms of their own right to define their bodies? A thousand percent, yeah. Okay, so tell us yeah. again what that experience felt um, like for you. So so what I was saying, I started acting very young, um, and I was on a soap opera. How young? How old were you? I, I started full-time when I was nine. Full-time? Wow. Yeah, right? So, uh, so I think I started kind of dabbling when I was eight. I did a film and stuff, but full-time on this TV show from when I was nine to when I was 15, which are very, like, trying yes. years. Like, Oof. I had my first kiss on television. Oof. I hit puberty. They recast me because they wanted someone who was sexier. So, oh, like, I mean, it was, like, it was all oh that. Like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You're not being no considered issues. sexy enough. Wow. Yeah, no issues there. Um, no, but, but also uh, weight was an issue. And eating was an issue. And your body, my, I remember also like wanting to cut my hair and and that was a big negotiation. And like your body is someone else's property. Um, so beyond any, you know, the normal being a female sexual issues yeah, that we all social is, just just pressure. from a social. And I was saying so, but it's confusing, too, because like. Growing up working on a TV show, that is your family. That is the the people you love and are connected to. So you want to make them happy and you want to please. And so I'm sure there are deep-seated 
issues that I left with just because navigating that world is so tricky and in the public eye. And it's also, you don't just belong to the people you're working for. You belong to those audiences. We've all experienced being on shows or whatever, how much people can voice their opinion of like, oh, she gained a little weight Mm. or she did this or she whatever. That I don't like the way she she said this word or whatever it is. Like you are, you're when you kind gr- of in fear. Yeah, of your... when you grow up in the public eye, yeah. everything is analyzed. I was so funny, and, and I don't think she'll yeah. mind me saying this. I was uh, hanging out with Emily Swallow yesterday, mm-hmm. and she was talking about how she ran into somebody at a department store, and they said something like in reference to her character on Supernatural. Do you know who you look like? You look a lot... Do you ever watch Supernatural? You look a lot like the woman who plays the darkness. And Emily very quickly went to go, I am her, because she was scared this woman was going to say something negative about her. And she was like, no, it's me, it's me, it's me. So she didn't go, but you're much prettier, or she's not a very good actress. I've actually sat, so like... The first, one of the first big, it's hilarious. Like, yeah. but, but like one of the first big uh, films I did was about a, a true story about someone who murdered um, someone else. And it was very, and I was also very naked in it. And, but I gained weight to do it too. Like it was a really unattractive human being. Um, and uh, I actually have done things like sat with people for 25 minutes or whatever, when they talked about how much they hated that girl without them realizing it was me and how disgusting she was and things like so I've kind of I guess I think I probably built up some tough skin on that well I have a lot of people commenting on my body all the time because of the character I play on TV and now there's a lot of things at play for me a I really like being a representation for women who don't feel like they are represented like they are um, mirrored in media. Yeah. I love that. In no way am I ever offended when somebody's like, thank you for being a representation of me, no right. matter what they look like. Um, because that could mean so many different things to so many different people. But there's there's constant conversation about my body. And it is about m- being a plus size. Or there are words mm-hmm. that get thrown around that typically do trigger people yeah. who are overweight. Yeah. And it doesn't trigger me, but but my my body is a constant conversation in my career because uh, I am I am what is is considered above size, yeah. right? Um, and it's strange to have that. I mean, I think it as you're saying, as an actress, our bodies are constantly being torn apart, and, 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 and it's yeah. often by us now. Yeah. Like it's it's become a, an abusive cycle of us just going, I ate too much, or I've got auditions coming up, and I gotta we lose weight, or whatever. It with who we are, yeah, and our worth as a human being, and mm-hmm. so that's like one of the things that that we talked about before starting the recording was I was saying that I do I know that I have an association with food where. I feel like a better human being and a more pure soul or whatever. Like I feel like a more pure entity if I'm if I'm eating pure foods and and also I'm not overindulging, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. That I associate eating, you know, less healthy foods and eating more of them with something negative in myself, like yeah. a moral problem. Or, you know, an ethical kind of like 
additive that you don't want. So I love yeah. as I'm. I kind of feel like but I'm I watching don't feel a tennis that way match. with others. I, which yeah. is my point. Like as I'm kind of here in the middle, um, what I'm hearing is this bizarre concept that perhaps self care can look like different things for different people. Right. And body image yeah. can look like because I can be standing next to a, a woman that looks exactly the same as me and she can think that she is the most horrific looking woman on the planet or she can think that she's the best looking woman on the planet. Well, I think I'm in the middle of there and somewhere. And within that, how you, then how you respond to yourself. What does self-care look like? Because we've talked before mm -hmm. about how self-care always was abuse for me. And now I'm reaching the point where, oh, food that I put in my body that makes me feel healthy and pure and energized mm -hmm. and whatever that food, food that makes me feel loved mm -hmm. and sensually aroused yep. and connected to and, the people around and me. And present. Like, it's it's different things yeah. but also i'll give you i'll give you like something that makes no sense that doesn't add up at all which is that if someone even gave you a compliment mm -hmm. of oh you look so good because you've lost so much weight mm -hmm. or whatever mm -hmm. it is, i would i would end them huh because you have to I'm act fast because my teeth would right. be in their jaws yeah <laughs> i'm very very protective of the harm that is caused to other people when with those attitudes in society. And you, see, you know, the fact that we associate right. thinness with some kind of right, positive right, right, right. achievement, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. But if I'm honest it, with myself on my own in mm -hmm. front of a mirror, I absolutely judge myself that way. Mm. Is that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that goes back to you being maybe more conscious of other people's emotions than maybe even your own. Um, do you talk to yourself the same way you talk? Do you talk to your body the same way you think about other people's bodies? No, I don't think so. No. I mean, I, I've learned to accept. Because like, cause I've had things where, uh, for example, like when I got sick, I not only I couldn't control weight gain, but also like there was a while I was actually it was a vitamin I was overdosing on oh. that was making my face swell up. Oh. So like oh, for quite a while on Supernatural, I look and it just disgusts me. Of uh, my oh, face wow. was all swollen and big, and it makes me look way like overweight. Now again, that's like. On a personal level, if I'm very honest, that was really hard to accept. But I had to learn to be able to see past that in myself mm -hmm. even and say, yeah, but I'm trying to be a good person. And I'm doing, you know, I find all these things I could still love about myself despite not phys physically hitting those marks that I wanted to hit. Um, does that make sense? Yes. And that is very revealing. And I love that you're sharing that with me. I feel like we haven't talked about body image at all and you must I have as you know have struggled a lot to find happiness with my body and I did find it and it is not every day but for the most part it is and two two of those things well three of those things help having a partner that thinks that I am a true gift sent from heaven um, and having a, a new very healthy relationship with food and that took a lot of work and a lot of practice and a lot of research and a lot of knowing what works for me um that's why i don't like talking about what i eat in a day or right. whatever because it's not how that works and the other is exercise finding i 
genuinely find joy in exercise because I feel powerful in the true sense of the word. I feel stronger, but I also feel in my body when I'm exercising. And I recognize going, this is my meat suit. This is it forever. Take it or leave it. It is full of stretch marks. It doesn't, I can't do the cartwheels. You know what I mean? Like it is flawed as fuck. And I still, this is it. You got to make peace with it. Right. And so how did you find you were able to make peace with your body, especially after your diagnosis? Well, I, I think a lot of it for me is that Um, I find a lot of I find joy in the messages that I'm putting out and what is good. I can't I can't necessarily always give myself just as myself what's healthy. Sure. But I can give a group of people what's healthy. I can be attuned to the fact that, wow, there are really destructive dynamics that go on uh, that we pass along as humans and as women etc and I will fight against that so I'm happy to be in the same way you were saying you're happy to be a representation Mm -hmm. for others Mm -hmm. I'd rather say no but you can find happiness regardless and I will only advocate for weight loss etc if it's well are you happy are you finding health are you you like the the exact things you're talking about Mm -hmm. is there a joy in that or are you just trying to please other people? Mm-hmm. Um, so so I, I definitely, like, I attach to that stuff. But if I'm very, very open and honest, which is what I'm being with you, I don't know that I'm always up to that level truly in how I feel about myself. Yeah. Well, but I think you and I share something in common is that sometimes, you know, to get from A to B, we have to go via five, six kumquat yes. and yes. some lettuce yes. like yeah. like uh, kumquat I, is very helpful so i love that we snuck that into this scenic episode. root um i definitely will uh, advocate for people being gentler with themselves because i need to learn to be gentle with myself yes. i will yes. advocate for people finding the beauty in themselves because i need to find it. it's much easier for me to grant people that love that i don't grant myself yeah. and i don't fault myself for it that's that's one of the ways i learned to do it in myself yeah. openly on this podcast i'm like i am not telling you to do something yeah. because i'm already doing it and it's working for me thank you very much i'm telling you let's see what would happen because I suspect I should probably have to learn how to do this. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I learn from how those, like when I find those healthy attitudes toward others, I try to then reverse it and learn it for myself. For example, I couldn't accept myself getting sick and being not perfect uh, physically and fitting certain criteria. I hid from the world. I didn't tell people for years oh, God. what I was will you going please, through. For anyone so, who may not have heard it, will you please tell that story about you getting back to the trailer before they knew you were sick? Oh, just I'm I could because start I was crying, I would I me. would try to, I mean I was trying to keep something that was very hard to keep hidden hidden. And so there were times my legs would just stop working and things. So I literally couldn't get myself up into the trailer, but I'd wait. Somehow I kept pulling off like when no one was looking. I'd be like lifting my legs up into the trailer and you know, whatever and, and willing them to start working again. Like literally talking to my legs. Cause I was so terrified of showing anyone what I was going through. What were you scared of in people seeing what you were suffering from? That's what's so interesting. Is that when you really break it down, there's not a logic to it. It's just that being not being perfect 
-hmm. like not being able to like to me like I didn't want to slow up shooting I didn't want Mm -hmm. to I didn't want to distract also because I've been someone that for my whole life that people could come to with their problems Mm -hmm. and so forth I didn't want to make their problems seem invalid or lesser by talking about my own and it's very it's a hard it's not a subject you're taught how to broach sure so like you know oh yeah oh yeah the, by the way the doctor said the craziest thing the other day yeah, oh. exactly <laughs> so, yeah. oh they're raising your rent funny story yeah, that's right. <laughs> exactly. so like i just i kept not figuring out where to insert it in conversation comfortably I've always really, really admired Stephen Hawking. Like, he's just one of those mind, like, just, um, um, you know, I miss that he's uh, not around anymore. Mm-hmm. But but I realized, I was reflecting on it, I analyzed it, and went, I never once thought that poor being stuck in that body, like, oh, I feel so bad for him. And he didn't, he never bought, like... Whatever mm. that thing that that's like, oh, that's so hard, and how can he overcome that? That never, I never had that thought, and so it, I clocked. Wait, maybe you can exist in the world with these, you know, difficult, whatever physical ailments, whatever you want and to challenges and, and whatever, yeah. and not not make people feel like it was something they had to feel sorry for you for and pay attention to you for and all like so I started to realize the strength of the attitude we have about ourselves and so that changed everything for me I want to point something super interesting um earlier you said that I am not my body And now when you're talking about your strength and your what you've learned from your body, you are now talking about your body as if it is yourself, which I think is really cool. Like That's even cool. within yeah. this conversation, there's been an evolution. That I in, own it now. Yeah. Yeah. That when, is part, yeah. When you're mm-hmm. talking about the things you've done that you're proud of, uh, when, when I talk about being a victim, um, being abused. I talk about my parts. Well, right. who's the my that owns them, right? Right. right? But when I talk about something I did, I ran four miles yesterday. I got back on the horse. I don't say my ass jumped over a pole <laughs> yesterday and the yeah. rest of me was... I say I did it. Yeah. And so so many of our conversations are coming back to what I choose to focus on. Where is my eyesight being placed and giving myself permission to place it on things that might not matter to the rest of the world, but if it matters to me, then it changes my view of the whole world. I love that. I absolutely, I love that you pointed that out because it is, it's a, it's a really interesting thing, but obviously it took work to get there and that's what, I think it's really important that that be a part of any any conversation is and none of this just comes easily. And it's not like, oh, I was born in a stronger state than you were. Yeah. Like that, yeah. That's we, a very good thing to note. Yes. A lot of people are when we had this conversation in an episode about badassery is going it's not a th- nobody's born stronger than another person right. it is practice as it's overcome it's not it's not like oh i for some reason never felt fear right. it's like no <laughs> you, you felt terror yeah it was i was traumatized i didn't know what to do but i've been working really hard to get my way to get through that to the point where i can own it now um 
but because of the magic in that is that any of us can do it and also none of us should should labor on the the illusion that it's easy and so that's where you know like when people say oh but you're you're so inspiring or whatever i'm like yeah and i curse the world on a daily basis mm. and I fight and I scream and I cry about why does it have to be this hard and mm. that that struggle is part of that so what do you do what are things that you do to, to build yourself up I mean I think part of it is have like for me it's the the image of what I want to achieve and that's why representation is so important and it's, it's so detrimental to us as humans that the humans that we don't have more and better representation because it was like in that moment where I looked at how I viewed Stephen Hawking hmm. that I was able to then go, that's an ideal, that's something to strive toward, that's something I would want to be. It was the first time that I could see an example of someone who was going through something similar, different, mm -hmm. but similar physically that or and certainly what I was most afraid of happening to me physically, but they were doing it in a way that I admired and wanted I could like I wanted to be. Do you know what I love about that? Because it just a light bulb turned on for me in a weird way. Um, for me, that person in recent memory was a model named Ashley Graham. Do you guys know who that is? She is a plus size model who just unabashedly started going on social media showing the shit out of her body nice. and not in a totally gratuitous way but in a very sexual way yeah. as in like i'm in my underwear and i am modeling myself and you love it and you know what people started loving it and now she's on all the top she's prada chanel she walks all the top runways she's one of the number one models in the world i don't want to be a model but point being is that she for the first time said fuck you to a world that told her her body was not good enough or yeah. that she should hide her sexuality or she should hide her body and that for me gave me permission to do that now that being said in both of our stories isn't that who we all are to other people now aren't we suddenly i'm recognizing now my responsibility and the honor that it is to be that for somebody else Absolutely. in the fandom Absolutely. or in the world. But, but I think, like, as humans, we can all be that mm -hmm. for each other and should be. That, that you know, the, to realize your, the strength of your voice and the fact that, again, it comes back to let's stop pretending uh, to each other. It's one thing with having a physical disability is people are a lot more honest. Mm -hmm. It's one of the greatest gifts. They're a lot more honest about I don't have this figured out. I'm suffering in this yeah. way. I'm, you know, whatever it is, maybe people, maybe it's an invisible illness. Maybe they, uh, it's a mental illness. Maybe whatever it is that they've felt like in society in general and to other people, they have to keep hidden that all of a sudden because I have something on the exterior that I'm not able to keep it and they're willing to share. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think that I think. I think that part of it is us starting to be willing to tell those stories and talk to each other and, and share and be publicly, I'll say, flaw in quotes. Yes. That is a very necessary visual, um, but be publicly flawed according to the societal norms at this moment. And to, to be, to share 
our flaws with each other so that we can go, oh, you're flawed. Hey, man, me too. That's kind of the great thing. That's really what wayward kind of embodies, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And also, maybe those aren't flaws. Maybe we've that's been exactly. told those yeah. are flaws. That's exactly yeah. right. But actually, that can be something that's really cool. Yeah. And that's what children often see with those eyes. Yeah. So I was so afraid to be in the chair or or struggle physically with children because I love them so much and want to be a good example to Every child that I've met, usually they're they're really excited. The chair seems so cool. Yeah, and like I want one too. Yeah, or, you know whatever it is, they're curious. Or they ask questions. That's right. They're yes. curious about how your body works differently or whatever. And oh, I, I mean, I can remember, that. I had a ballet teacher when I was like two, who I thought was the most beautiful woman in the world, and I wanted to be just like her. And I've seen pictures of her since then. By societal standards, she was overweight. She had acne. She like there was all these reasons wow. she would never take our boxes of beauty, but she was a beautiful spirit, and I saw that. And to me, she was perfect. And so, if we could get back to that somehow, that would be an amazing thing. So, what I'm hearing from both of you is the concept that teaching by example that there the problem isn't. The differences with my body, my body image, how I choose to relate to my senses, how I move through this world. The problem is those differences being then turned into defects. And if I am capable of looking at my differences without shame and without guilt, that can be a step in removing the stigma of those differences to begin with. A thousand. Thank you for articulating that. Yeah. Um, well, I guess I, I've learned a lot about Rachel Miner today. I am so grateful that you are here. I think that you are a true inspiration. Yeah. I like that. I like that. I generally hate that word, but I like it for you. Yeah. I like it because, in other words, it's not I'm going to sit back and go, oh, aren't you just inspirational? <laughs> it's more like, oh, I am inspired to be more like that. Yes. To find my version of what you are. And I like that. Thank you. And I feel right we are all at. very lucky to know you. Same. 100,000%. Thanks, Rachel. In, in case people can't see. We're, oh. we're all <laughs> smiling in my closet. Yeah, no one's crying in here. Yay. Thanks, Brianna Buckmaster. Thank you, Kim Thank Rhodes. you. Thanks, Rachel Miner. Mm -hmm.